Hello, and welcome to the Smart Karma Podcast. I'm Michael Tejos. Every week on the podcast, we share a presentation and discussion from our webinar Wednesdays, when we sit down with Smart Karma insight providers and selected experts from around the world to break down the key topics you care about in Asia's markets. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and so on. If you like what we do, consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your chosen podcast app, as this really helps more people discover the show. Thank you for being with us, and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another webinar by Smart Karma. I'm Valerie, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Smart Karma Insight Provider, David Coloretti, who will be sharing with us a global market outlook for the first half of 2023 from a technical analysis perspective, specifically using momentum confirmation. Before we start, a bit of standard housekeeping as always. Please feel free to send in your questions for our Insight Provider throughout the webinar using your Q&A button on the Zoom app, and we will get to them during the Q&A section. Please do not reshare the contents of this webinar without expressed permission. A recording will be available afterwards on the registration page and will be sent to all attendees. And with that, thank you, David, for being with us today. Maybe you can give us a brief introduction of your background before we dive right into the topic for today. Thanks, Valerie. Hello, everyone. My name is David Coloretti. I have, for a second time, started publishing on Smart Karma since last October. Um, having had a bit of a false start back in 2016 and a bit of a change in my strategy. But I'm here from October and I'm going to be here for a long time. So hopefully I can be interacting with you guys more going forward. Today, everything I speak about in the presentation will be around technical analysis. So my world since 1991 has been looking at charts and playing markets from a, a trading from a sales and advisory and sort of research provider from those roles. So I don't consider other people's research. I don't look at any fundamental research. Everything I look at is, is about charts and my process around analyzing charts. So that's what we're doing today. I put a little comment at the bottom here. Without momentum confirmation, there can be no high probability outcomes. My subscription service outside of Smart Karma, um, I call high probability outcomes. And I believe that you need a very comprehensive process in your technical analysis to come up with high probability outcomes. And momentum sits very much at the forefront of that. And I'll get into that as we go through the presentation. Quick disclaimer, please base your trading decisions on your own processes and analysis. This is for information today. A little bit about me. I'm a chartered market technician. That means that I trained with the Chartered Market Technicians Association in New York for several years, about 12 or 15 years ago. And the key point I want to make here, this is a, a little brief CV, I guess, but as a technical analysis and technical analyst, I worked in roles as a trader. I was a proprietary trader, initially with British Petroleum and then with a couple of banks for more than 10 years. I moved into sales and advisory roles for another 10 or more years. But everything I did in both of those roles was around every trading decision I made was based on charts. Every client that I advised, I based that advice on charts. Towards the end of my banking career, I was part of the research team as well at NatWest, also in an advisory role. And I decided to move out and set up an independent research firm 10 years ago, which is called the Markets Academy. So Markets Academy just celebrated 10 years. My client base is the top end of town, hedge funds, a lot of hedge funds in Singapore. I, having lived in Singapore and being on the sales side with a lot of my client base being hedge funds globally, 
that's become a core piece of my business. Also global banks, a lot of traders, FX traders, commodity traders and others are clients of the Markets Academy. So Singapore for me is a very big part of my business, but I also have clients in other parts of Asia and the US as well. You won't read about this in books, but I call my process my, my three pillars of technical analysis. And I just want to very quickly touch on this because as we go through the markets that I will look at today, I will talk about these three things, price action, response to key levels, and momentum confirmation or momentum failures. This is the basis for me of high probability recommendations. If we don't have all three of these these technical factors lined up, I don't believe you can have a high probability view on a market. I see a lot of people looking at charts and they obsess about price patterns, reversal patterns, trend line breakouts, um, whatever they might be. That's just part of the puzzle. We need to see specific price action that gives us directional emphasis and we need to focus on trend structure. Just as important, when we see those important pieces of price action, it's really important that they happen around important technical levels. It might be trend lines, it might be double, triple tops and bottoms, it might be Fibonacci levels, but it's really important that that is an element. If you're seeing key sort of price activity just in a space that is rather insignificant, it's suspect at best. So we want to see that and we'll talk about that with these markets. And then momentum. I think the icing on the cake is momentum. If we're seeing specific price action response to key levels and we don't see momentum confirmation or momentum failures at the same time, and not just in one time frame, but hopefully multiple time frames, we don't have a strong argument. But with those three pillars in place, we have strong arguments. Momentum, as I said, is a very big part of what I do. If you have a look at my publications on Smart Karma, the first one that I wrote was about my short-term strategy. That's called TSS and it's purely momentum-based and it's purely short-term momentum-based. So TSS is Trend Sustainability Score. And I place, I, I come up with a score of the momentum in a stock or a currency or whatever it might be. And according to that score, we then look for failures in interim trends and mean reversion. So that strategy, I've I had seven recommendations between October and January. Um, six winners averaging 12 or 13%, all of which were closed out in two weeks, one loser at 4.5%. So a net unleveraged return of about 75% over that four-month period with my TSS pro process. So please keep an eye out for that. Go back and read that initial note in October. It will explain in detail what TSS is. The other thing that I'm doing on Smart Karma is more medium term, and you'll see notes that I've written on single stocks in the last couple of weeks. I'm looking to be writing daily now on stocks in Asia, and I'm very much taking my lead from the Smart Karma world where clients are typically searching for stocks. And I'm looking at those searches and I'm looking at what stocks today or yesterday are people interested in. So if something is being highly searched, I will go and look at that chart at that market. If there's something interesting to write about it, I'll be writing a note about it. So, you know, put your searches into Smart Karma and hopefully if there are others looking at those stocks, then that's something that I'm likely to write about. I want to look at seven markets today. So four equity markets, two in Asia, two in the US, US 10-year yields, Brent crude oil and the US dollar index. Um, 
the reason I've chosen those is because there's a lot of, there's some really interesting things at a sort of a bigger picture level going on in the Hang Seng CI and the Nifty, or equally so the S&P and the NASDAQ. It's very directional at the moment and not all in the same direction. Last year was just such an amazing year for markets that, and momentum was at the crux of everything. I think you know, most of us agree the fundamental analysts really struggled last year. Good technical analysis, analysts had an incredible year last year because they saw the momentum triggers and the momentum triggers gave us a really strong read on the trends of last year. But a couple of those markets that really drove last year, in my opinion, were US 10-year yields and Brent crude oil. So I wanted to include those today because they have some rather directional things going on at the moment and should continue to drive these other markets. Okay, so we'll start with the Hang Seng C. The, down the left-hand side of, of each page, you'll see a, a comment on price action, response to key levels and momentum. So the three pillars and those are typically pointing to something that's on the chart, but not always. I can only have one time frame on the chart. This is a monthly chart, and I'm typically talking about things that are going on in weekly, monthly, and quarterly charts in the presentation, mainly weekly and monthly, but I'll only have one of those charts. So I may refer to something that's on a, a weekly or a, a monthly chart, and you might not see it on the page. But Hang Seng CI, back in November, from a price action perspective, we had a bullish monthly reversal here in November. So that's a bullish engulfing candlestick. So that's really important. That's a, a classic end of trend price pattern, a high probability end of trend price pattern. So that's very important. Um, as far as the response to key levels go, it's not on this chart because we're only going back to 2015 on the chart. But if you went back to 2008, you'd see that the Hang Seng CEI bottomed at 47.93. And in 2021, it bottomed at 49.19. So on a on a, a, a very large scale, as this index has traded, that's a perfect double bottom. So you've got a long-term double bottom across 14 years. That's the sort of stuff that, that major bottoms in markets are made of. So that was very important, the, the location of that bottom that we confirmed in November. From a momentum perspective, a couple of important things. This is a slow stochastic, a monthly slow stochastic. When we made this new low, if... When we made this low in October, November, the slow stochastic didn't make a new low. So it made a low here back earlier in the year with this new low in price. We made another new low in price. We didn't make a new low. That's a bullish divergence or a bullish failure. That is what we want to see at the end of a trend and particularly on a monthly chart, that's a long-term signal. So we have a really nice clarification of this bottom being very significant. The red arrows, are when the MACD, the black line, crosses its signal line. I won't go into detail about what that is, but you can see very clearly that those crossovers happen every one to two years since 2015. And we've only just crossed up, which is a bullish end of trend signal, in the last couple of months in sort of January, February. So that's very fresh. And if you look at the previous crossovers in the MACD, they happen reasonably early in these trends that extend. So I think that's very much a reason to say that this is early days in this uptrend. Finally, as far as targets go, the most high probability targets are when you use two or three different methods of targeting and you come up with the same answer. In this case, I've looked at Fibonacci retracements. And if we look at the trend that started, the downtrend that started in 2018 through to the end of 2022, a 50% retracement, a 50% Fibonacci retracement comes in around this 9450 to 9470. The more recent downtrend that started in 2021, 
the 61.8 retracement comes in at that same level. For me, 94.50 to 94.70 is an extremely high probability target for this move up. So there's a lot of upside still. There's 20% plus upside still, I believe, potentially this year for the Hang Seng CEO. I've written a note on Smart Karma in, on this in the last couple of weeks. So go and have a look at that. It's got more detail and it explains that in depth. If you like what you see, please hit the like button. That helps all of us as editors. The Nifty is a very different story. I've also written a note about the Nifty on Smart Karma in the last couple of weeks. So again, go and have a look at that. It'll have more detail. But the key points here with the Nifty are that um, from a price action perspective, a bearish monthly reversal pattern, is, again, is a monthly chart, in December confirmed a high probability top in the Nifty. The subsequent decline in January was important because when we see those sort of patterns, you want to see instant results. And we saw that in January that we've put in you know, two quite decisive down months. As far as the response to key levels go, this was all-time highs in 2021. We broke that for about two weeks and we rejected it and started closing back below it within two weeks. That's a big rejection of what was you know, the, the biggest of relevant levels being all-time highs. So this reversal here has happened at very important you know, key levels. From a momentum perspective, now this is a monthly chart. Momentum failures or divergences happen when you get a new high in a trend and you don't make new highs in momentum indicators. Monthly slow stochastic, a big miss. Monthly RSI, a big miss again. Monthly MACD, another big miss. And the monthly MACD, we had that crossover that we saw in the last chart to a bearish bias or an end of trend, end of uptrend bias in Q2 last year. And it's maintained that downtrend bias despite us making new highs. So that's very important. You've got these three very widely used momentum indicators all telling the same story that this is end of trend you know, for a good period of time being a monthly chart. As far as targets go, I like this drawing parallel channels around patterns like this. And the bottom of that channel comes in around 15,500 in the Nifty index. So I think this move down is just the beginning of a, a larger move that will unfold through 2023, and we'll bottom out around that 15,500 to 16,000 level. That's a level that I'd be really interested in looking at, looking at the response when we get there, see if we get some sort of positive response, because potentially that's the base before we go again to new highs. The S&P 500 index and the NASDAQ have done very similar things in the recent weeks. And I've, I've come down in, in my scale here and as you know, you know, we've been in a downtrend through 2022 in, in both of those markets. What we saw in, in both the S&P and the NASDAQ, we saw bullish quarterly reversal patterns in Q4 in both of those markets. So that's important from a long-term perspective, suggesting that we're heading back into the uptrend. The response to key levels, major bottoms in the S&P at the 50-month moving average. If you go back to look at a monthly chart in both of these markets back to 2008, and you'll see that all of the major bottoms happened around the 50-month moving averages. And this time again, this bottom back in October was around the 50-month moving average. So that's very important. It's very relevant that we put in that bullish quarterly reversal off the same, the same level that has held all of the major corrections since 2000. This trend line is why I've used the weekly chart. It's a lovely downtrend line. And we broke up two weeks ago decisively and we closed above that that trend line last week we went higher again this week we're, we're pushing up again so from a price action perspective that's important i mentioned earlier that trend you have price patterns and you have price structure 
Price structure is, is super important when trends change. So in this downtrend, we had a series of lower highs and we had a series of lower lows. They're the traits of a trend. When you break a downtrend, it's not the be all and end all to break the downtrend. It's just part of the puzzle that unfolds when you have this change in structure. So we went from a series of lower highs. In December, we, we based at a higher high relative to October. So we had our first higher high. It's exactly what you want to see when you break a trend line that it comes off a change in structure. Subsequently, we've put in a higher, we've got higher low and now a higher high by breaking 41.01, which was the previous correction high in this. So basically now we have a confirmed medium term uptrend structure, a higher high, higher low, higher high. So that is a big change. So even though we're, we're breaking this trend line and we're just marginally through there, the whole, whole structure of that chart has changed. So with that structural change and the break of the trend line and the bullish quarterly pattern, we want to see momentum doing similar things. And if you look at a monthly chart, there are a number of reasons why this is in a bullish space. And there are, there are several bullish factors, particularly the monthly slow stochastic, which for the first time in a year has shifted to a positive um, trajectory off a very low base, extremely oversold. But if you look at what I would call medium term, when I talk about long term monthly charts, when I talk about medium term weekly charts, medium term momentum indicators, here we've got the RSI. A lot of these momentum indicators, they have different traits and it's really misunderstood how you should use the momentum indicators. And I want to run some educational webinars on specifically on these things in the coming months because it's so important that you understand what's going on in these. And RSIs particularly respond really well to trend lines and to ranges. And in this case, we were in a downtrend in the RSI, in the S&P on the weekly chart until November last year. And November last year, something changed. We broke that trend line. That break of the trend line, all a trend line is, is a rate of change. So it's basically saying that the rate of change in this downtrend shifted. So at that point in November, we had the strongest positive shift in medium-term momentum environment that we'd seen in a year. So this move up was different to the previous correction higher and the, the, the correction higher before that. This was saying that we've got this incredible momentum behind, behind it. It was more likely to be the start of a new trend. We saw that in the MACD as well. Um, both of these indicators did not make new lows in October. So we had those momentum failures, RSI and MACD, neither one made a new a new low. So that was a medium term failure, followed by this breakout, followed by the MACD breaking up through its signal line, which says end of trend, and it's maintained that positive focus. And more recently, the MACD broke above zero, which says confirmed uptrend. So that's a confirmed uptrend. This is a confirmed uptrend with through the trend line, the structural change. The S&P is in a medium term uptrend now. At a minimum, we're heading up to August highs, which is around 43.25. But I think that's an absolute minimum in the coming sort of weeks to a couple of months. You can look at these, people obsess about head and shoulders patterns and all they are is change in structure. So what I've explained there in change in structure could also be a head and shoulders, shoulder here, head here, shoulders here again. And if you're looking at targets for head and shoulders bottoms and you call that a head and shoulders bottom, the target for that would be up around the 4,800 mark which just so happens to be all-time highs. 
So there's certainly an argument here to say that the S&P index is going back to all-time highs potentially in 2023 or into 2024. So that's a very bullish chart. The NASDAQ is exactly the same. We broke the trend line. We have the same structural change. This bounce to break the trend line came off a higher low, less distinct to the other, but still a higher low. And we now have a higher high. So from you know, exactly the same. So that's really important. We had that bullish quarterly reversal pattern. One thing in the that was different with the NASDAQ, that 50-month moving average was super important in the in both markets, but more so in the NASDAQ. It was a perfect bottom a number of times since 2008. And it actually broke to the downside for a month going back into Q4 and then broke back up and we broke down again. And then in January, we broke back up above that, that 50 month moving average quite decisively. So we're back in that positive space in the long-term charts. And this being more medium term, we've got this beautiful positive medium term structure now. The same RSI breakout, but more distinctive here in the NASDAQ to say the most positive medium term momentum environment we've had in a year and the same end of trend signal in the MACD. So the NASDAQ again, in a really positive space. At a minimum, that suggests we should head towards 13181 in the coming months, that being the August correction high again. But again, I, I think you can safely argue that we're heading into a more bullish phase and more sustainable bullish phase than that. But at a minimum, 13181. Tenure yields, the, there's a backstory here. So this is a, just as a backstory, if you have 50 years of back data on US 10-year yield and you look at a quarterly log chart, it has to be a log-based chart, but you will see that last year the downtrend of 50 years broke decisively up in US 10-year yield. That's, that's something that you just don't see sometimes in, in people's careers, let alone right now, and that's relevant right now. So this correction that we've seen down in yield since the October high, for me, that can only be a correction. That long-term trend line, that 50-year trend line comes in around 270. So whilst we're above 270, we're still in that uptrend bias. So what I've been looking for here is what happens at around this 340 to 345 level, because this is a long-term trend line that joins the highs of 2013, 14, 18, and early 2020, first half 2022. And what we've done is we broke that trend line last year. We've come back and tested it and bounced. And then more recently in Q1, we've been testing it for the last four weeks and we're now bouncing out of that level again. My, my biggest sort of, I guess, outlook for, to the downside here is that potentially we could get a, a run to 280. 280 would be a 38.2% retracement. So your minimum Fibonacci retracement for a trend reversal or correction, that would be the most you could anticipate in this correction. I don't think we're going to see that. If we broke 340 decisively, potentially we could see that. But what we saw in the last four weeks suggests that that 340 to 340 level is a really strong base. So from a price action perspective, we saw three weekly dojis in the last three. Each time the market's breaking that support level and then closing back above it, didn't like it under the trend line. The next week sat above the trend line. Last week we went down, we broke. We closed back above, again, the highest close in three weeks, four weeks. So th this market clearly doesn't like to, to spend time below that long-term trend line at 340 to 345. And then this week, we start tracking higher. Really important that we're tracking higher this week. And if we see a close this week 
around 365 or above, that's a beautiful bullish pattern. That's confirmation that this trend line has held. And I think that's a really important piece in a lot of things that are going on in, in the dollar in particular. Um, I've written a note on dollar yen on Smart Karma that you might want to go and read if you're looking at Japanese markets. Super important. The dollar yen has done exactly the same thing, but at a bigger long-term level. It corrected from around 151 down to 127 and a half. 127 and a half is a 20-year trend line. It's also the neckline of a 20-year head and shoulders bottom that's being formed since 2002. So it's huge. Holding 127 and a half is just is so huge. And if we if we hold that level, which at the moment we put in a really bullish response last week, which suggests that that is the case, then we can have extraordinary bullish targets over the next year or more in dollar yen. And dollar yen and US 10-year yield trade hand in hand and have done for years. So I think that's important. So have a look at that if that's of interest. But standalone here, the price action here is very positive. The response to Q levels is is perfect. This long-term trend line, it's a 10-year trend line. That's super important that we've held that 340 to 345 level, the more of a bullish, a positive response we get out of that level, the, the more perfect this will look. And it will look that we're going back into that trend. Going back to that 50-year chart, that 50-year chart suggests that 10-year yields are going into the 5 to 6% space in the next couple of years. So that, you know, this is a correction in, in my As far as momentum goes, this is your medium-term momentum, but the medium-term slow stochastic is now positively sloping for the first time since October, since this peak. So that's a positive step. I mentioned earlier, RSIs respond to trend lines really nicely and they, they move in ranges. And the middle, the midpoint of, of this indicator, which travels from zero to 100 is 50. And that 50 level is often a tripping point for whether you're in an uptrend or a downtrend. And since the start of last year, we moved above 50 and each of the dips have held above 50. And more recently, this bigger dip still held above that 50 level. So that's why we're traveling in that 50 to 80 space that's suggesting we're in an uptrend, medium-term uptrend bias. So that's important that we've maintained that despite having this correction. We're still, RSI is still saying we're in an uptrend. MACD, similar. The zero line is, is here through these green ups and downs is zero. And we've been above that zero since October, uh, sorry, September 2021, down around this level. And that confirmed that we went into an uptrend. Despite the ups and downs as we've gone higher, we've maintained that level above zero. So this arrow down here, that suggests end of interim trend, uptrend. So it signaled that this was a problem and we were going to correct, but it hasn't gone below zero. So it's saying it's a correction. It's not a new trend. So we're still in an uptrend bias. So um, all of those things sort of work together to suggest that we might have seen a really important bottom in US 10-year yields in Q1, and we should be heading higher back towards the highs that we saw last year above 425. Brent crude oil is... Is interesting from the point of view that the upshot of this is that Brent is still in a downtrend and I'm still quite bearish on Brent. So it doesn't really fit with being the big driver of inflation at the moment that might be driving yields. But but at the moment, we have a pretty decisive story. So you know, we obviously saw a very big high in Q1 of last year. And what we've seen in that move down, when you're looking at the, the definition of a trend or the structure of a trend, you want to see the moves in the direction of the trend being impulsive and you want to see the corrections being quite choppy. And this is a classic case, impulsive move down off the high, choppy correction, impulsive move down, small correction, again, down here, choppy correction. 
And we broke this lovely trend line here, which was sort of a, a one and a half year uptrend back in Q4. And since we broke that in an impulsive move, so direction of the trend, the dominant trend, we've seen another choppy correction into a peak two weeks ago. Um, we saw short-term momentum fail very heavily up there. We didn't break above this trend line, which is now around 91, 20 to 25. We peaked around 89, and but importantly, below that trend line. So an A, B, C correction, a classic correction. And then last week, we put in this big weekly decline, and we completed a bearish weekly pattern that formed over three weeks called an evening star pattern on the candlesticks. So that was an important confirmation of the top of that ABC correction. So I think the correction is done, we're back in the downtrend. The obvious next step for this decline is this 50% correction of the uptrend that we've seen since early 2020. It comes in around 70.63, 70.63. We're currently trading above 83. So I think there's a really nice opportunity here, you know, $13 or upwards of 15% from current levels to achieve that target. The long-term charts, the momentum indicators in particular, paint a very bearish picture. And I've, we've seen in previous charts, the MACDs, when they close on the monthlies, in the, MAC, the MACD only closed down and gave us a bearish signal in the last two months. Again, historically, those signals come about every one to two years. So it's suggesting that this move that we're seeing to the downside is still in its early stages. So I think Brent is in a sustainable downtrend and it should be in a sustainable downtrend for a number of months. And that 7063 target is conservative. At a medium term level, this is a weekly chart again. This 50 number, the midpoint of the RSI is important because we saw what happened when we broke up through 50 back here at the start of 2022. We went into a very impulsive uptrend. We broke back down through 50 at the start of Q3 last year, around this level, around 110, and we entered a, a big decline. But we've stayed below that 50 level despite all these corrections and gyrations. We're still maintaining those levels below 50. So that's telling us we're still in a medium-term downtrend. So momentum, that response to key levels and price action are all telling us the same thing on that weekly chart, that this is a bearish chart and we should be heading lower this week is a correction and counter trend. Lastly, the dollar index. Last week was an incredibly important week for the dollar. We saw bullish weekly reversal patterns across most of the major dollar G10 markets and also dollar Asia. The standouts in dollar Asia were dollar Korea and dollar Singh, where I think we put in significant bottoms last week. But looking at that on the, on the index, bullish weekly reversal pattern formed over the last three weeks. So that's very important. This month is the first up month that we've seen in the dollar index since September last year. So also very relevant as a response to this trend line, which is a the DXY was trading in a, a contracting triangle since 2016, and we broke up through the top of that triangle in the second quarter last year. This is the first time we've been back to test that, tri that triangle. So that, that, this trend line here is the top of that seven-year triangle. So a very important level that we've held. And then looking down here, so this is a weekly chart. That slow stochastic on the weeklies has been downward sloping since we peaked up here at another very long-term trend line. We, we hit that perfectly and peaked at a very relevant level around 114, which is now, that trend line is now above 115. But this is the first time since we peaked that the weekly slow stochastic is upward sloping. So back in a positive space for medium-term momentum. So really important that all three of those pillars stack up really nicely here. So I think at an absolute minimum, when you see a bottom of this magnitude and this sort of high probability status, 
a 38.2% retracement of that previous down gets you to 106.15 in the DXY. I think, again, very conservative, but that's that's my you know, minimum target in the, in the coming weeks. That's it. So I'll throw it back to Valerie. Awesome. Thank you so much for your insightful presentation, David. As mentioned before, viewers, you can now send in your questions for our speaker using the Q&A button on your Zoom app. Perhaps I can start the Q&A session off with a question already from the floor. It says, David, do you have any analysis on gold and do you have any thoughts on that? I do. So gold really played the same the same game as, as the dollar last week. And we've seen, we saw, I think, a, a really significant bottom put in last year. And we had seen actually a, a big break to the downside through some incredibly important levels. So that that breakdown and there was some momentum confirmation that came with that that was were quite significant in that bear market last year. All of that was negated in Q1 this year. And we've broken some big levels to the top side. And in my opinion, we're going back to the highs. So 2070 to 2075 is the bigger picture. What we're seeing right now is a, is a pretty strong correction. And I think that correction can do more. I'm interested in what happens down around 1810 to 1830. Um, there are some really relevant support levels there. And in a perfect world, that's where I'd like to see gold base before it heads back into that sort of bigger bull market to test those highs that we saw in the recent years. So where the way I'm playing that is I'm bearish right now, but I will assess the price action in that 1810 to 1830 level. I think we'll get there. And on the basis of what happens at those sorts of levels, then potentially there's a big bottom there. Potentially not, but it's really impossible. I don't just like to pick levels and say that'll be the bottom. I want to see how the market trades there, what momentum is doing when we get there, what sort of price patterns we see. If we can see those three pillars come together at what should be a really relevant support level. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for, your, for our next question, what is the time frame does it take to usually hit your target? Okay, so I need to be quite clear with this. If I'm writing notes on Smart Karma and they come under the heading of TSS, that trend sustainability score, the targets are typically going to be met in one to two weeks. So that short-term strategy, and you'll see those recommendations on Smart Karma from October through January, they, they all have a two-week limit. And as I said, those seven trades all hit their, their peak or the one was stopped out inside of two weeks. With what I'm talking about today in these markets, these are much more medium term. And I'm looking you know, towards what's happening this first half of the year primarily. But as I've mentioned, some of those, they're really sort of 2023 targets, the bigger targets. And I think the important thing here is typically when I do these presentations, I look to look at the more medium term, long term charts. And, you know, where are the dominant trends? You know, we can, every day I'm looking at these markets and fine tuning and looking at, you know, are we overbought or oversold? Do we need to correct? Are we in the trend or are we in the correction? That's, that's the fine tuning that goes along the way. But unless you've got that bigger picture in your head of there's a trend here and it should be a bigger trend, I think it's hard to trade any market unless you have that basis. So this is really your basis. So a lot of these markets, we're talking about the next, you know, six to 12 months. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for our next question, how do you size your position for each trade and what if it's correlated? Um, 
Yeah, correlation is always a thing. And I, what I try to do, particularly like, for instance, in the dollar last week, you know, there were six or seven G10 dollar pairs that you could, you could trade off the back of last week. And what I will typically do is then go and look at those markets relative to each other and work out which one stands out the most. And like last week across Euro, Sterling, Aussie, Kiwi, you know, all the G10 majors, dollar yen, dollar Swiss, Sterling stood out and I was writing about Sterling as that's my pick of those. So that's one thing that I, I try to do to avoid that correlation problem. Rather than saying there's five markets you should trade, I'll try and pick the one that stands out the most. Sizing of trades, I, I'm pretty firm with my, my clients that that's their job and not my job. My job is to give them the parameters what I try to do, and I and I, I really emphasize this as far as sort of my history, and, and you know, I was a trader for a long time, and I traded every market, and that was every time I'm looking at charts, I'm always looking at risk reward, and I think that risk reward is is the answer that you really need. So, when I'm advising a client, I'm looking at okay, where are my targets, where are my entry levels, but most importantly, what's going to tell me that the trade is wrong, and have I got a tangible level where I can say that trade's going to be wrong that still gives me the right risk reward and looking at you know four to one type of of outcomes typically when it comes to stocks so you know by giving you those parameters then you know you can look at your portfolio and and position size accordingly I'm never going to give you a trade that's a 50 50 bet you know you're going to lose five or, or make five I don't think that's valuable to anybody. So most of what I'm writing about, I'm going to have sort of distinct targets and you know parameters around what we need to do to maintain those. So for instance, I've got the NASDAQ chart in front of me here. That 11,572, which was the previous high, we need to maintain weekly closes above 11,572 to maintain this uptrend bias. So for me, that's a bit of a deal breaker if we start closing at a weekly basis below 11,752. In the S&P 500, 4101 is that level. We need to maintain weekly closes above that level to maintain this momentum. So they're the sort of things that often come about by someone you know, saying to me, I'm looking at this trade, let's get a bit more micro with it. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. And for the interest of time, unfortunately, let's wrap this up with one last question. So, David, what do investors have to look out for or be careful with when they're using momentum confirmation? Using them incorrectly. I think the biggest mistake that anyone can make is just look at, let's say, a stochastic or an RSI and say it's over 80, so it's overbought, or it's below 20, so it's oversold. I think that's the biggest error that, that people make. When a chart races from 20 to 90, it's not telling you it's overbought. It's telling you that it's an incredibly strong trend. And in a strong trend, you will repeatedly see those momentum indicators hitting the highs or hitting the lows. And that's confirmation of a strong trend. It's all about the divergences. When you see the market hitting new highs and the RSI or the stochastic is not hitting new highs, that's when the trouble starts. That's when you get your end of trend signals. But you need to then see price action response to key levels as well. But it's that's your giveaway. So the biggest mistake is, is just looking at the levels. Don't be obsessed by levels. You know, look back at history of big bull markets and a, a monthly RSI can spend a year at 90. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. And to close this webinar, David, perhaps you can share some final words you want to leave our audience with about today's topic. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing that we're not all technical analysts, I've devoted my career to this and I do it all day, every day. And it's it becomes second nature. And unless you devote a serious amount of time to technical analysis, it's kind of dangerous. So I think the most important thing that you can do is try and learn as much as you can about charts, but lean on people who do it every day because it takes a lot of time. And typically people sitting in, in a, a, you know, in a hedge fund or a bank, you don't, you're time poor and you don't have the time to, to give to it. So, you know, lean on other people who do have the time and the expertise in particular. And yeah, hopefully I'm keen to, to run some, some educational pieces this year um, so yeah, please sign up for those that if anything will help you understand what I write about, if not help you, you know, looking at your own charts as well. But I think for me, I just find it important to try and educate my clients because then they're, they're better understood. You know, it's, there's a better understanding of, of what they're reading and the more you understand it, the more you'll trust it and you'll you know, be happy to incorporate it into your strategy. Awesome. Thank you so much, David. And unfortunately, that's time. And that is our webinar for today. Thank you, David, for being Thanks, with everyone. us. And Thanks, thank you. And thank you all attendees for being with us. If you wish to keep track of more insights on the topic today, I recommend following David on Smart Karma so you never miss any of his insights, especially since he'll be posting every day. So definitely you should want to follow him there. Please email us at research at smartkarma.com for any other questions or feedback. If not, do follow us on our social media channels like LinkedIn and Twitter at Smart Karma. We share weekly ebooks on great themes and topics, so you don't want to miss out on that. For other questions, you can reach out to David personally on his Smart Karma account as well. Thank you once again to David. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please share it with your networks. Subscribe to the podcast feed so you don't miss an episode and follow Smart Karma on your social media. We're Smart Karma everywhere. And of course, don't forget to visit smartkarma.com for truly independent, differentiated investment research. As always, thank you very much for listening, and see you next time.